get up in a bath of ice I'm a victim of an organized You know it is true You know this time you're never gonna get it But you've already stole my heart Yeah, you ripped it and tore it apart You know it is true Welcome to Cutthroat Queen's podcast Where tiny cucumber sandwiches stand over your bed every night and watch you sleep We are here to take an open and honest look at all things indie horror my name is Brett Mitchell Kent, and I'm joined by the illustrious, the gorgeous, the unmatched. Oh, wait, never mind. It's actually just some flypaper that got dishwater on it. Chelsea Pumpkins. <laughs> yeah, I got nothing for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. You know, we've survived 2023. <laughs> and, you know, some days I do feel like that flypaper with dishwater on it. Well, I wouldn't lie. Well, you know, speaking of dishwater, which is really similar to bath water, I have watched Saltburn twice. I've never watched Saltburn, so I have no idea what this relevance I is. I watched Saltburn twice in like 20 hours. It's my new obsession. It's all I'm going to talk about for the next two weeks easily. It's my new is favorite a... movie. Oh, it's a movie. It's a movie. It's on Prime. It's okay. so good. What is it about? Oh, God, that's hard. It's about um it has class undertones in the uk and it's about um a poor guy who goes and stays with a rich peer for like summer break and shit happens and it's so weird and amazing it's definitely not indie horror but i don't care because it's all i can think about right now so everybody should go watch saltburn (laughs) i will watch saltburn is it uh is it homoerotic yeah Oh, okay. Yeah, definitely. I'll watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the thing that I watched, and this isn't super relevant, but you okay. mentioned like class undertones in the UK, mm. um, the Barbie movie. <laughs> we finally watched it. Love and it. So I didn't, and I was really shocked by how much I disliked it. Why? So I don't know. Um, I actually do. I know exactly why. But One thing, the reason that this segue happened, which is actually super relevant, uh, the main actress in my 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 big fat diary, whatever, what was that? Um, Bridget Jones's diary? No, not Bridget Jones's diary. My big fat (laughs) diary. uh, Diary of a. No, my mad fat diary. Sharon Rooney. It's a it's a like an English show that went for a while. The lead actress in that was actually in the Barbie movie. What so, did she play in Barbie? Um, I don't remember which her role was in Barbie. She was one of the Barbies. Hi, uh, Barbie. Look up Sharon Rooney. You'll recognize her. Um, she might have been a doctor. Doctor um, Dua Lipa was Mermaid Barbie. Oh, I remember yeah. her. Yeah. Yeah. So she's in it, but that's what reminded me of this. But the the thing was, I am convinced, and I've been I've had this argued against me several times, but. I feel as though if the cast wasn't the cast of Barbie, it would not be like a powerhouse because like the cast definitely carried it, in my opinion. Um, Like Margot Robbie can't make a bad movie, right? It's true. And the like all of the Barbies were amazing. And like it had Hari Neff in it and the Sharon Rooney. Um, 
it had its array in it. So like if we weren't taking these powerhouse people, like if, if it had just normal people in it, I think that it would have been a lot more evident that there was like absolutely no plot <laughs> and that Barbie as a but, character was completely useless. <laughs> but how do you separate that from like they it's like being like this cake would have been good or this cake would have been bad if I took out the sugar. And it's like, well, yeah, you don't make sugar without you don't make cake without sugar. Well, yeah, but you also need good writing to have a good movie. And like, I, I feel like it was good. I just I didn't. I felt like there was like no real plot and there was no stake because what's the stake that Barbie land is going to become like real land like we didn't fix misogyny in the the regular world we just did it this is the mojo dojo casa casa house barbie world i stand for the slander i i wasn't thrilled i think that all all of the cast did an amazing job portraying what they did in it but i do think that care that barbie was absolutely useless as a character everything well she's like typical barbie right so she wasn't my favorite Barbie, but she did slay. Um, but America Ferrera's character, like if she was the actual main character of this movie, I think it would have been a lot deeper. I was really annoyed. This is such a stupid rant. Um, on one of the like dumb astrological Instagrams I follow, they did they assigned a sign, they assigned a Barbie for every sign, and I'm a Scorpio, and they assigned me the daughter, and I was like that's not even a Barbie. Not Barbie. I know. What? I got ripped off. <laughs> That's even worse than being called like sticky flypaper. It's even worse. It, what was like, Leo? I've I'm never Leo. recovered. Oh, hang on. I'll look it up. Uh, so, no, I, I, I don't think that I disliked the movie, but I think I could have liked the movie more if I liked the plot. <laughs> You're going to be so mad. Oh, God, am I stereotypical Barbie? Yes. <laughs> that checks out that checks out (laughs) i i mean i i tell everybody i'm not a hero so we're not oh my god i would not be the one solving these problems that's amazing i love that that's you that's fucking hilarious i think you should give it a second watch and i won't try to convince you that you like the writing when you don't but there's so many really cool like film homages and details worked into it and listen so something that i do all the time is (laughs) no (laughs) the the movie um gotta kick it up was on disney with america ferrera and so ever since i was probably early teens i've i've always done that thing because they do that in the movie and they did it in this as a as a like her husband said it and it's that oh i died i even like when i was yes I had to pull it up and show my husband them doing it in the movie because he's lame and has never seen Gotta Kick It Up. I have not either, but that's awesome. Well, that's Anyway, right. there's like a million of those, and the more I watch it, the more I find them. Well, maybe I'll give it another twirl. Have but... a couple of high noons and kick back and just enjoy the show, Brett. <laughs> Something that I read that I I really enjoyed it, and it harkens back to a past episode is that i was able to read an advanced copy of the desert island game by cat velour this month and it's actually it's so wonderful it it follows a sapphic couple uh on a desert island um and it is like 
after it's it's kind of like immediately post-apocalyptic and it's it's actually just a complete mind fuck from from like a to z and it, it never stops so read it i would devote some time to just sit down because they're not going to want to put it down okay uh, it's, it's actually it's short it's a novella so you can do that but you're not going to want to put it down because it's just it's it's hard to <laughs> explain and it's called the desert island game the desert island game yes that sounds really fun. Is it that are they on an island or are they playing that like if you had to take one thing, what would it be? No, they they are on an island after the apocalypse. Apocalyptic. <clears throat> That's a RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, cool. But it's it's really really neat. Oh, I should probably mention that the the Desert Island game it actually it, it harkens back to two previous episodes because oh. it's written by Cat Valour, but it's also being published by Slashic Horror Press, and we <gasps> have. Yeah, we had them on for our Pride episode uh, all the way back in June. It yes. releases on January 15th, 2024. We are insanely thankful for the fact that we have been able to do this for an entire year at this Yay! point. This episode kicked off. Did we drop it in December or January? I don't remember. Episode zero. Oh, let me look. Uh, not relevant because we're doing it now either way. So... We want to thank the listeners that we have that have followed us through all the way to this space. And we are doing a small, exclusive little giveaway. So we will share more about what you win, um, but it'll be obviously Cutthroat Queens slash Indie Horror adjacent. And it is available for anybody in the continental United States that listens to the show. So what we need from you to show us that you have listened is to go either onto uh, Twitter, now X, and quote tweet your favorite episode and just tell us your favorite moment from the, the last year Cutthroat Queens and include the phrase, you are welcome, or you can just say tub of mayo. Um, it's, it's, so either you are welcome or tub of mayo, they're both near and dear to our hearts. Or if you're not doing the Twitter X thing anymore, you can just shoot us an email at cutthroatqueenspodcast at gmail.com and just say all of the reasons why. All of them, at least 10. All of them, yeah. Well, I was going to say all the reasons why I'm just like the prettiest, but I guess we can say all of the all of the things or your favorite moment from the, the last year. Yes, just give us one favorite moment and you will be yeah. entered a random drawing. Um, but yes, thank you, everybody. We're really excited to celebrate one year. I did look it up. Our first episode dropped on January 6th um, of this year. So it's been awesome getting all of these out to you and interacting with all of our listeners and our guests. Thank you all for your time. And we do have a couple of changes coming in the next year, a couple of like episode format changes, a couple of changes to, you know, our outside appearance and I'm getting uh, plastic surgery so I can be prettier than Brett. Yeah. I mean, that's the main one. Uh, but I'm also getting plastic surgery so that I can stay the prettiest. So it's, <laughs> it's just going to be a back and forth. But 
the uh, the episode today is just going to be Chelsea doing her best impression of me <laughs> conducting an interview because I got extremely sick and Chelsea had to pull all the weight. So we are, she is sitting down with. So Chris owns Little Ghost Bookstore in Toronto. And I also interviewed Jenny Kiefer who owns Butcher Cabin Books in Louisville, Kentucky. But we also talk about her upcoming debut um, novel, This Wretched Valley. Waking up in a bath of ice I'm a victim of an organized You know it is true You know this time you're never gonna get it But you already stole my heart Hi, and we are back from our break. I'm here today with Chris Krauschuk, he, they, the co-owner and founder of Little Ghost Books. Frustrated with the lack of diverse authors on the horror shelves in most bookstores, they were inspired to create Canada's first horror-themed bookstore and publishing house. They're deeply invested in creating spaces in which queer and trans, POC, femme, and other folks on the margins can feel safe and connected with their community. Welcome, Chris. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Your mission is perfectly aligned with what we try to do on this podcast. Yeah, it's exciting. Awesome. So your bio kind of covered a little bit about the thought behind Little Ghosts, but can you tell us a little bit more? Like, tell us about your bookstore, your elevator pitch. Um, so Little Ghosts uh, Bookstore is a very cute and very queer bookstore uh, in downtown Toronto. Um, it is very nicely designed and uh, very comfy to be in and then has the most horrible shit uh, you could possibly read on the shelves. Uh, it's lovely. That's awesome. And so like the mission is really to kind of pr- like uplift all of these typically marginalized creators. Am I getting that right? Um, yeah, it's just mostly that uh, if you went to a bookstore, um, and regardless of if you're in Canada or somewhere else, you probably have seen the horror section and you have seen, you know, our favorite boys, uh, like uh, <laughs> St- the Stephen Kings, the the Kuntzes, the, you know, the Peter Straubs, nothing wrong with that, but uh, you don't see anything else. Um, and there are so many great people making just the worst things you could ever read uh, and interesting metaphors and fun gory stuff and there's so much more to horror than was being represented on uh, bookstore shelves so uh, I'm trying to build that (laughs) I I mean so far it seems like you are doing it successfully so congrats on that Um, (laughs) and I was super lucky to visit your store it was super early in your opening um before I was like familiar with you or the managers like just from social media but I saw that it was opening and I had a work trip to Toronto and I was like I'm going to this bookstore that is my only tourist attraction (laughs) that I need to get done and it was a lovely experience so thank you for that Oh, yeah, no problem. People luckily have nothing but very shining things to say about how, you know, friendly the staff are and and how nice it is to be there. And that's that's really lovely to hear every time. So thank you. And the diverse, like you said, like just 
the amount and diversity of horror that you stock is as a horror reader, you walk in and your eyes just like burst out because it's so exciting. <laughs> yeah, we have we have quite a few people struggling to uh, to keep their little purchase pile under control. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to brag, but I dropped a pretty penny. <laughs> yes, people do. And I'm always like, thank you so much. And they're like, I just won't be able to find this when I get home. And I'm like, yeah, that is that is the goal, isn't it? So can you talk to us about what it took to get your store up and running? Um, oh gosh. I mean, so I used to, um, mentor at a nonprofit that, uh, helped people sort of like business plan for their potential, like, uh, you know, business idea. Um, and it was very fun, but I, I always told my students I was mentoring that uh, it takes everything. Uh, Mm -hmm. So you better love it. Uh, you know, you won't sleep, you won't eat, you'll only live, breathe what you're doing, um, blood, sweat, tears. But, um, I opened Little Ghost and this is kind of like a Canadian thing maybe, but, uh, we experienced many a complete and utter lockdown, um, during the past few years, um, Mm -hmm. during the, like, height of COVID. Um, so we just had... Another winter lockdown, um, which I think was our third, but our sixth overall, where it was like, don't leave your house, um, don't look at your neighbor, don't go outside. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And so we were in the what wound up being the final lockdown. um, And I think I just like lost my mind. I had been reading nothing but horror, but getting it delivered often from like Barnes and Noble and stuff because no one here had what I was looking to read. Um, and so I had amassed quite the catalog and like quite the interesting way of getting things. I was like, um, emailing presses and asking for their whole catalog, uh, Tenebros, um, you know, any indies who had a bunch of authors that I wanted work from, I would try and make an order big enough that justified the shipping to Canada. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. And talking to just like fellow Canadian friends, like that is such a barrier to reading. It's so I'm so happy your store exists now. Yeah. Well, it was, yeah, it was a huge thing. So I was like doing this the whole time and then we got locked in again and I was like filled with like the desire to like, I can't do this like hopeless thing anymore. Like I have to, I have to build something. And like what I had in front of me by year three was basically a catalog. Like I had all these like people I could call to get books. Um, and I was like, I think I could, I think I could stock like a whole store. Um, That's amazing. Also your house <laughs> must have been like a hoarder situation. <laughs> I I mean, I have, I have that same winter. I, I did, uh, a massive like reorganization of our bookshelves because I I've built these like enormous build-ins that are like pipe fittings um that sit above our couch and desk oh my um, gosh because I can't I can't use the floor space like I live in Toronto I have no floor space um so they have to live like above the couch to the ceiling and they're full they're full (laughs) I don't know what to tell you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and this has not made it better at all like <laughs> <laughs> you're like I was supposed to be able to put all my books in this store 
not and come I home did. with more. <laughs> no, yeah, I've always home with more. Uh, <laughs> so okay, well, wait. Quick tangent: How do you organize your bookshelf? Do you do it alphabetically by author? Do you do it by color? Some people are like into the color thing. You I mean, this it. is this is getting to be a high fidelity type situation. Um, <laughs> I'm trying desperately not to be that guy, but. Um, <laughs> uh you know it's it is comics on one side novels on the other um organized um in the novel section by genre um and then in the comic section organized autobiographical by preference going upward whoa that's <laughs> yes wild <laughs> yes it's very weird and it doesn't make any sense to anyone who looks at it except for if they understand what i've done here <laughs> as long as you know where your books are that's all that matters in in fairness to me it makes sense when you think that i'm five feet tall on a good day and i cannot get up to the top so because the comics are the things I reference the most visually, like I'll open them and I'll look at stuff when I'm like designing something or I'm like, oh, someone did this panel and it was just like, so like this. And I just have to look at it. Like it has to be the stuff that I want to access the most at the bottom. Well, there you go. That makes sense. So it makes sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it suits your lifestyle. Yes. <laughs> All right. Sorry. I went on a tangent. Back no, to- <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's good. Back to what it took to get your store running. <laughs> um, so the advantage of us being in lockdown number one million or whatever uh, is that commercial rent uh, was really cheap. Ooh. Yes. So I, I saw a unique opportunity um, because no one else had, you know, completely lost their mind and wanted to start a business during a lockdown. Uh, <laughs> and also, um, uh the organizations that fund young entrepreneurs were really looking for people to give loans to. <laughs> oh, wow. Again, no one was crazy enough to take out a massive loan for a small business during a uh, pandemic lockdown. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Except for me. Uh, mm -hmm. So they were like, great, amazing. Take this, take this business loan. Uh, and then I started looking at spaces and I looked at 24 spaces because real estate agents did not care about lockdowns. People with money don't care about lockdowns, um, mm. yes. uh, which is a whole different thing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I don't think I would have gotten the space that Little Ghost is in like a year prior or a year after. Um, it, it was beautiful and right near a major park in the city and like had so much like natural light and like already had air conditioning, like all these things that I was like, okay, I'm only going to do it if the perfect space, like if I find the perfect space, I don't, I'm not going to take on this risk and this crazy amount of work if it's not exactly what I want. Um, because I'm going to have to be doing it all the time for years and years. And, and the, yeah, just original hardwood floors, beautiful front display windows, like everything on my list, all my boxes were checked. Um, and and so, you have a, you have like a coffee shop in the bookstore itself. Was that part of the like construction already? Or did you put that in? Put that in? 
Uh, I put that in, um, but that was that was a must for me, not only because I'll die, um, <laughs> I'm not caffeinated all day, but uh, I am a coffee roaster by trade, so that's <gasps> like, the other so thing that I do. My husband is as well, so oh, well. <laughs> we have that hobby in my household. How cool! Awesome. Uh, uh, yeah, so it seems it seems silly to not put one when it can be just like such an easy little like uh plus for people especially like when you're hosting signings and stuff like it's just like a nice little vibe book club etc it it. it definitely comes in handy for folks so uh selfish but also sharing is caring (laughs) not selfish not at all I think everybody loves walking around a bookstore with something in their hands to drink so yeah so so yeah it was good and and then again like my contractor was available because he couldn't be really doing anything um yeah and and my friends who are woodworkers were available so we kind of like made a little dream team powwow where we all were testing and then going into the bookshop like kind of creating this little closed loop of of like work um, oh that's awesome and then we we got it done in a month, uh, which is a month. Good. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's how. So how long did it take from like your like concept when you were like, I want to do this to when you opened? Um, Like probably like a year prior, I had like jokingly like said a thing on my personal social media, like, oh, talk me out of opening a horror bookstore or whatever <laughs> like you know uh, and and it was just kind of like a, a a silly want like maybe someday that's a thing that I would like and then like I said it just it kind of lived in there and then like the world happened the way it did and I was just like you know what like we could all die I don't know I'd yeah. never do it before it before I can't anymore or whatever yeah you definitely made like lemonade out of some covid lemons (laughs) yeah yeah exactly and and I definitely had that too I think like the very unique like feelings of like uh watching the death tolls rise and like watching people like kind of like lose the opportunity to do what they wanted to do like my grandmother like it definitely aged her a lot Mm -hmm. Uh, like those three years probably put like 10 on her and she had to like move into a retirement home which she never wanted for herself oh yeah that's really hard and we lost all this like we used to she used to come here and we would like do a big weekend together like a couple times a year and then we lost three years and now it's never gonna happen again like there was just all this like sadness around like time that you don't get back and then yeah. I was just like, I don't want to feel like that anymore. <laughs> yeah. What it like, that's a sad, but like inspiring perspective to come upon, I guess. Well, and then I was like, okay, I open it and I noodle around and I read horror books by myself for a while. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But I tried it and I, I, I did this thing and like, you fail, you fail, you declare bankruptcy. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> You're like we'll be fine we'll bounce back <laughs> well no it's just that, that that's okay like sometimes yeah. you do things and they don't work but like it's a thing I want to do and and whatever and and I fully did think that it would just be me in there for a little bit until it kind of like slowly 
uh, lived a life and gained traction and people knew about us like so fast. Well, because you so, know, it's like a market gap. So like when something pops up like that, we're all like, yes, when can I come? Like, I'm dying to go to this horror bookstore. Are you kidding me? Oh, it so. still blows my mind. It still blows my mind that people like, yeah, commute in are so happy to be there. Like they don't need basically anything from me. They're already like at an 11 and <laughs> they race around and they're stoked and they do their thing and they're like, hey, bye. I just had a wonderful day. And I'm like, I didn't do anything. Oh, yes, you did. Give yourself credit. That's awesome. No, but you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, like it. Wow. Like I, how lucky am I, you know? to get to stand there and experience that over and over and so it's so different than what I was expecting like the first day I was there I was standing there and like David Demchuk walked in in like the first (gasps) two hours that's so cool comes up to me and is like hi I'm David and I was like I know (laughs) (laughs) just peeing my pants and (laughs) and he's like can I I, I wrote a book. Could I sign it? I saw you had copies. And I was like, please, that would make me very happy. Oh, and my God. He like, bought some books and he's like, OK, well, you just like let me know when you need me to come back or if you need anything or whatever. That's and amazing. That, the whole first two days we were open were like that, like horror authors being like, like Tim McGregor came by and was like, I've never seen my book in a store. And now, like, we have everything he's written we hosted signings all the time oh um, that's I mean you were the first person to reach out about the anthology I edited I was so happy it, made my, <laughs> it totally made my day <laughs> but like that's it's people are making the stuff that we want to have so it it seems like that's my job you know <laughs> <laughs> well thank you from the little guy thank you so much so it kind of sounds like your day-to-day is just like the best part of your job, but what is your absolute favorite part of running the bookstore? Uh, I mean, all that stuff is, is so great. Like the, the connecting with people, the definitely that was like my goal is those moments of, of people being like, I've never seen my book in a store before. I've never like, it's always important to me to tell people like, Oh, Hey, we, we sold out of your book again or like whatever good mm-hmm. news I can bring. <laughs> to the spooky people is is very good uh (laughs) um and then oh geez uh yeah I don't know it's hard for me to think of a part that I I don't like about it uh you know even like doing the taxes means you are making enough money to do them so I'm like whatever oh my god I need your attitude in my life every day please (laughs) (laughs) Well, so is it even worth asking you, like, what the biggest obstacle is to running a bookstore? Oh, I mean, it's it's the showing up every day, right? Like, for sure. It's it's that you, it all hinges upon you and you, you know, you can have a bad day or whatever, but, like, you can't just, like, not show up or not be there or let things fall by the wayside. Like, it's a, it's a daily job. It's a all-the-time type of thing, so... Yeah. You know, you have to want that for yourself and you have to be able to show up for it and yourself in that way. And I think that's really hard for people. I think that's um, I think that's the part that, you know, that kind of responsibility is hard for people. I just like really 
it really validates me to be needed. So when I am needed and also making people happy, it seems easy. That's awesome. So it energizes you a little bit. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Nice. But yeah, it is a huge commitment. So, and you've, sur- you've surrounded yourself with a team. I mean, obviously you had a team getting you going, but I'm assuming you also have a team that helps you keep things going. Yeah, I was, I was really lucky. Um, when I was hiring, because I immediately was like, oh my God, this is not just a me thing like I planned. Uh, we need we need staff. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I hired someone and they were like very, like, uh, they're very lovely, but they are very intense. Um, <laughs> and they were like, <laughs> I wasn't used to that kind of thing they were like sure I would like to be the manager I would like to know how things work I would like to know what to do and I was like friend listen I don't even know what I'm doing yet like I don't <laughs> have answers for you I'm flying by the seat of my pants so like whatever and uh, I was very lucky that they like truly meant it and have been there the whole time um, and every time I kind of look at my plate and I'm like this is too full they're there for me to pass things to Oh, good. Um, and if they don't have the skill set or uh, don't feel comfortable with it, they'll say so, which is very important. I'm never, I'm never mad. Um, mm-hmm. And then recently, it was that we decided together that well, I'm really, really good at just like tweeting random stuff, <laughs> <laughs> which is important. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, like neither one of us was like keeping up with like the the like broader social media that you kind of need in order to engage in today's world like I I don't TikTok I don't know what that is Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and I can Instagram about new books and take the cute pictures on like the bookshop ladder but other than that I don't really know what to do so we like brought in someone to just like film stuff for a couple hours a week and that's been really good because she also comes in and is like really excited she's like got all her gear and she's like you guys got so many cool books this week you guys published a thing you guys got this okay like stand here do this like we're so excited to be here and like that's a nice energy because sometimes I have yes I just worked like 80 hours and I'm very tired (laughs) it's nice too because like when you're so in the thick of it you probably lose sight of all the things you've accomplished so to have somebody outside kind of come in and point them all out to you must be a good feeling oh yeah I've talked to a friend and I'm like that's that's honestly what I need is someone to stand next to me and tell me this is cool and hand me snacks so that I can keep that going. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I'm like, I just need a nap. Like you could, the best thing in the, like I could win the lottery right now and I would feel nothing because I'm so tired. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> you have me fooled. Your energy is definitely <laughs> um, contagious. But yes, I understand. <laughs> there are moments though. It comes, it goes and your social media needs to be that all the time. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know. I don't know That's if I point. can always provide. <laughs> so no, it's, it's a nice really good to... skill set to offload. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to have that. And then there are things that surprised me that I didn't offload. Like, you know, we decided that we were in a new book club. And I was like, okay, like, I should definitely do the first three just to, like, establish rules and boundaries and make sure everyone's comfortable. And then, like, I'll give it to someone who's more extroverted than me because, like, I definitely like 
am faking it. I prefer to like be reading a book all the time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but then I hosted three times and I just loved the cute vibe of it and how excited everyone was and all the insights about the books and people bringing stuff to the table that like I didn't think about while I was reading it. And now I'm like, you can pry book club out of my cold dead hand. <laughs> I'm not handing this over. <laughs> no, <laughs> you can't have it. So, you know, it's it's good to have people so that you can decide what you delegate and what you don't instead of being mm-hmm. like either stuck with it all or like, I don't know. I know folks like in my neighborhood who like, run a couple different restaurants you know or like a couple different blah 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 and they're like work on your business not in your business and I'm like I think I would like lose all passion if I didn't get to be in it like yeah that makes sense yeah um if you don't get to hang out I think I think that you have neglected to mention one of your staff members who has four pop Oz, and I think our listeners would love to hear more <laughs> about that one. <laughs> oh, that's Bruce. So yeah, in January of last year, so we're we're hitting the Gotcha Day. Um, oh, I, happy Gotcha Day, Bruce! <laughs> yeah, um, I adopted a puppy. He's actually, you know, not quite the original bookshop dog. When we were building, um, I had Cooper, and Cooper was my twelve and a half year old big guy. Um, and he passed away last December. Um, oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. I've never been off work for so long in my whole life, actually. I was just fucking devastated. Yeah, that um, is a unique and deep pain. Yeah, yeah. I got him when I was like 19 and lived by myself and it was just like us for a really long time. So it was mm-hmm. like a big thing. But um I got him from rescue and in around the holidays. So it was like, you know, early December when this happened, um, they can't offload dogs because no one wants them because it's the holidays and everyone has plans. (laughs) Uh, Oh, that's so wild. I feel like it's opposite here because people get them as gifts, which is not really Mm -hmm. a wise decision, but hmm, fascinating. Well, they, they refuse that, but like, good. (laughs) outside of that they don't really get requests and this was also like last year so they were coming off the pandemic so they had like a big influx of people mm-hmm. who got pandemic dogs yep. who then were like now nah, I want to go back to traveling which don't get me started <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have a whole episode about that <laughs> yes um so I have I have friends still in the in the sort of rescue circuit and one of my friends reached out and was like, are you, are you looking? And I was like, I definitely want to make another friend. I'm definitely a dog dad. It's like mm-hmm. been such a part of my life for so long. Like, I don't really know what to do with myself. Otherwise I'm going to work and then going immediately to bed. Like I don't, Yes, I haven't acclimated to this and I actually don't want to, I don't mm-hmm. want to acclimate to empty house. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like, well, we're getting this, uh, this sort of intake of these like Rottweiler mixes and we don't want to give them to people who don't have like large breed experience because like people are weird about Rottweilers Mm -hmm. and I was like I don't you know I I've never considered that breed before but I actually don't care about breeds at all um so we'll we'll just look 
which is a lot. Oh, famous last <laughs> words. I would have called, I, knowing you for this what, half hour, I would have called you on that instantly. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a lie. Uh, but, you know, in, in my defense, Bruce did sit directly on my partner's feet and Aww. just like look at us with his big eyes. And I was like, you're oh, my no. family now. Yes. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, like I don't have any stuff anymore. Like Cooper was an old man and I didn't have to have like a crate or a blah. Like he just, he lived, he ruled his roost and this is a, a baby. So we have to baby proof. Um, and they were like, that's fine. And I was like, so, you know, if you could drop him off, that'd be great. And they were like, well, we'll come straight to little ghosts. We'll bring him on x date so i puppy proofed my apartment and they brought bruce directly to me at little ghosts so he grew up there he came to work with me every day when he was a baby because he couldn't be alone he was like just like nine weeks old or whatever oh my goodness (laughs) so cute Um, yeah and then he yeah he rolled around in there and now now people come by and he he comes up from the office and often sniffs them and stuff. And it's very funny because we have people who will be like, oh, I was here, you know, last year and and I met this little puppy. And then Bruce will like come up from the basement and come Aww. sniff them. And they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I heard you talking about me. Yeah. But also he's huge now. And they're like, wait, hang on. <laughs> what happened to the puppy oh like this is the puppy (laughs) (laughs) so you talked to us a little bit about the book club that that you run but what other activities are kind of unique to little ghosts well we have so many signings um that's awesome (laughs) yeah at a certain point through like september october we couldn't book anyone like people would be like well i have a book coming out i'm like uh i can take you in january (laughs) like Mm -hmm. um which is great. Like, I, I love that. I want everyone having a release who can possibly do a signing to come and have a little book birthday party with us. That is great. I love it. <laughs> That's wonderful. It's nice um, for you to be the, be the home for that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why more, more stores don't have those all the time. Like, it's it's very fun. It's a couple of hours. You get to meet the author. It seems like a no-brainer. Um <laughs> So I love that. Um, And then we do Spooky Marketplace, which um, was born out of us tabling actually at like a horror event um, that had like a bunch of like local craftspeople and like people who sell VHSs and all this other stuff. Uh, And it is so expensive to do a show like that. They cost like they charge us like 800 bucks, I think, for a table. Oh, my gosh. Which we obviously did not back. Uh, mm-hmm. um <laughs> right but yeah i'm selling books not like bricks of gold i'm confused um but <laughs> <laughs> how did you calculate this and what yeah. are you expecting <laughs> yeah but then i felt extra bad for people who yeah who like crochet spooky you know chucky dolls and like all this other stuff who were definitely never going to make the table feedback um, mm-hmm. So I went around collecting business cards and started asking people like, would you would you want to pop up in the shop? And they were like, oh, cool. Like, what are you going to charge me for that? And I'm like, nothing. Like, just oh, come. You're a hero. 
Like, let's just do it. Let's have this thing. So now every, about every other month, we do Spooky Marketplace. And I have room for about six. So we put out a call. We take about six vendors. And yeah, it's fun. Again, we just that get to fun. meet people <laughs> who do stuff. I will have to plan my next visit around a Spooky Marketplace day. <laughs> yeah, it's so nice. It's Yeah. And then when the weather's nice, we we do a full patio takeover. Although, like, you know, it's Canada. So, like, two months, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> the best um, two months. Yeah, such an exciting two months. Uh, so we do that. I'm um, trying to think of other things. We've we've done like um, poetry readings and launches. Um, we yeah, Just basically and you have a subscription whatever. service. Yes, we do. Yeah, that's um that's been going on the whole time. So uh, the monthly subscription is to indie horror releases, bookmarks, and stickers. Uh, the quarterly is three four times a year so it like works out to like a book every month um those are like you can come and go as you please like you can sign up and then cancel like you can just do a month uh pop in pop out um so people get them as gifts sometimes people send them to themselves um yeah is that canada only no no uh actually i think a little bit more than half are going to the states at this moment what yeah yeah uh, which is really cool um that's amazing yeah yeah it's it's fun it it just gives me like a little bit of extra purchasing power as well so like i can reach out to the presses um and place my pre-order in advance um and get the copies like right away so like whatever you're getting is like a new release book like extremely new release um and that also cuts down on the um the amount of people who might get something they already have um yeah but also I send out an email uh about a week before I mail everything and it has not only a 20% discount code for the shop where you can add things to your box if you want um at a discount and basically free shipping because I'm already mailing you um but it also has the ability to swap. So if you did happen to get an ARC of something, because I know those go out, um, you can switch it out for anything in the store. That sounds like a dream. I yes. have to sign up. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I try and make it worth people's while. I know, you know, it's hard to commit to a spend like that every month. But I I do think that it's it's special. And, and the people who do it seem to really enjoy it. It seems like between the way you, the way you reach out to all these publishers and stock your shelves and also these subscription boxes, like you really have your finger kind of on the pulse of what's going on in indie horror. And I just wanted to know if you could talk a little bit about how you how, how you managed that. <laughs> <laughs> um, by being like extremely online. <laughs> <laughs> you need to be chronically online. That's so yeah. cool. Uh, but also like you know the distributors the bigger ones will send you catalogs in advance and in our case because uh, we are so like loud and proud about what we do they only send me horror releases now which is good Uh, every now and then I get an ARC in the mail and I'm like what this is just like a a soft cozy mystery like sorry (laughs) I don't know get the fuck out (laughs) what is this I'm scared (laughs) 
(laughs) (laughs) This is the true horror. Also, you have started publishing books and I want to know a little bit about that. I know we're getting like a little bit long here, but we have time. You can um, cut me and all my no, uh, <laughs> no, we love it. That's what I'm here for. Um, can you tell us a little bit about why you wanted to make part of Little Ghosts be a publishing arm and what that process has been like? Um, well, I it seems like a natural progression for us um, as people who are looking to find the stories that are like not being told, not being represented. Um, not making their way onto other shelves. It was like, well, how do we keep um, supporting this community that has like shown up for us in every way that I could possibly ask for? Um, and so this seemed like a good way to continue to do that um, because I know how hard it can be, even just like, even if you're just a horror author who has like very, very palatable uh, and marketable fiction it's very hard to get published and then we're talking about people who have like additional barriers um Mm -hmm. so but who tell amazing stories like some of my favorite stuff so it was like mostly that and and so it was something that I put into the universe I'd kind of like hinted at it and talked about it and and wanted it and you know, just been having conversations with other people who run small presses locally and just putting the vibes <laughs> out yeah. there. Um, and then uh, Adam and Keith, who are the editors on What Draws Us Near, which is the first anthology that we published, um, reached out to me. Keith was a Little Ghosts monthly subscriber, actually. Um, so on, as a response to one of my... Um, was like hey an aside I have a proposal for you and I was like oh okay and he was like we can have a zoom call um with my co-editor Adam and you know it'll be nice just to chat with you but also like we're doing this thing so I got on the zoom call and they were like look we got grant funding to do this anthology we already have the authors they're already submitting stories like it's you know it was 65 percent done when we had this meeting nice. um and I was like that's great and I looked at the table of contents and I was like there's who on this <laughs> like that's so cool what a good feeling again. like I'm like oh my god why uh and they were like yeah we just were looking for a publisher and we saw that that was something you guys wanted to do um so if that's something you're interested in um we'd like you to do it and I was like you have an amazing list of authors you guys have most of the funding other than like the you know the money to print and and do the cover and you know the the remaining publisher things um that would have to get paid for I was like you know you could take this to someone else who's Mm -hmm. done this before I've never done this before I don't know what I'm doing which is how I do everything I guess (laughs) Um, um why like why 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 are we on this zoom call right now and they were both just like we love little ghosts we just want you to and I was like I guess I'm a publisher like right now (laughs) you're like yes a thousand times yes let's do it yeah I guess I'm now a publisher right now (laughs) um so 
that was great and and like i said they were editing um still so uh there was like a few months to just wait but i am notoriously impatient (laughs) and i was like i can't believe this is coming but like also i'm just sitting here waiting for them to be done editing like i don't what am i supposed to do with my hands um (laughs) (laughs) and uh and then at at a very similar timeline um my partner Jay who is like my partner and also like uh, a co-owner at Little Ghost uh they had a novella that was supposed to be published by uh Dark Lake Press um called It Looks Like Dad and they had been through uh some edits no contract ever got signed which was a bit of a red flag yeah yeah um they had shown like a sample cover uh and there was like a like we're gonna start marketing on this date like over email they had said we're gonna start marketing on this date it'll be on sale by this date and I asked Jay I was like well I want to buy it for the subscription box um so can you put me in contact with these people so I'd emailed them and they didn't get back to me and we were well past the marketing date and I was like "Uh, can you show me the correspondence that you have with them and your contract and they were like oh they never sent me a contract but here are the emails painful yeah yeah so everyone knows where the story is going like this this press just ceased (laughs) just give it to me (laughs) i'm fixing this (laughs) well yeah so yeah i was like and and i had I read It Looks Like Dad in, in its earlier phases, and I, I really liked that novella. I was really excited. I genuinely was, like, excited for it to hit our shelf. Like, it was great. But, yeah, this publisher doesn't exist. Like, it's not real. You didn't sign uh. it. <laughs> Whatever. So I, I sent them basically, like, a legal letter. Like, a it, it, fake but not fake. Like, a, I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> Just supposing that I was another publisher who was interested and saying that they didn't have the rights and they don't have a contract. And if they don't respond by X amount of date, I consider anything that they've said to him to be null and void. And I have full intent to publish. And they just, like, never got back to me to this day. Go you. Damn. I'm hiring. <laughs> I'm hiring you for all my course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I just went in like I was a big swing dick and it worked. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so then, yeah, I we designed a new cover. I did a, an additional editing pass and uh, and it looks like dad wound up being our first and and I called it a very very um fun and official print test because i was like pretty stressed about printing our first book with 15 authors on it and doing them dirty somehow because i don't know what i'm doing and i was like well you live in my house and you can you know we can work on this together and if it if there's something wrong with it uh you're married to me so hopefully it doesn't (laughs) right you're like you have you are bound to forgive me by law yeah exactly um (laughs) But no, it it turned out really good. It went really well. I found a printer that I really liked. Like a lot of the things that I was nervous about going into what draws us near were solved because we did It Looks Like Dad. Cool. Um, and also that book was saved. The book that I love. <laughs> a win, win, win. Yes. All around. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and then I got completely brainwormed by publishing and decided to do two anthologies at once 
Yeah, you so. might be a little bit crazy. Has anybody told you that? <laughs> yes. Yeah, my my partner would like to know if I can if I'm capable of not working at any given hour of the day. <laughs> Which you I'm are, not. You're the, you're the right brand of crazy though. Yes. In it for in it for all the good reasons. I love it. <laughs> um but yeah, go but ahead. Sorry. Those were a blast and uh and you kind of already know that because you're in one of them. <laughs> yeah, me and Brett. We're so this is our first um book that we both are in together. So we are like extra, extra so excited nice. about it. So nice. I actually <laughs> was so like touched by how many people like submitted together, like writing groups who like everyone kind of like submitted a pitch. Like yes. very cool, very cute, very exciting. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I can't wait to. I haven't gotten mine yet. I'm like hoping it's maybe there today. When I go home, we'll see. Um, yeah, they're starting to, to arrive, up. which is like very cool and exciting. I'm like seeing all these photo updates of people getting their contributor copies, and that just it makes my oh. heart feel good. <laughs> I don't think you have named the titles, so do that for our listeners, please. Oh yes. Uh, so then, after what draws us near. Um, we did Your Flight Has Been Cancelled, which is an anthology of airline travel horror. Um, and that was inspired by the horror of commuting to and from StokerCon in 2023. <laughs> uh, many, many a horror author got stuck in, in Pittsburgh for indeterminate lengths of time, including yes. Jay. <laughs> Bless Brutal. his soul. Uh, yeah, it was awful. Um so I would like to tell everyone also that uh, Air Canada did pay a portion of that print cost because they did owe us uh, $2,500 for the 48 hours they stranded Jay with no food and no lodging. Oh, my God. A, so, night- a true nightmare. Was it worth it? Well, we got this book out of it. So You're like, <laughs> well, it wasn't me. So... <laughs> So Demons and Death Drops was like, I mean, they're all very cool. They're all very cool. Um, but Demons and Death Drops was cool. It's a it's an anthology of queer performance horror. And what I did for that, because I really, it was really, really important to me to get people um, who don't normally pitch, who don't feel comfortable, who haven't done this before, um, to actually pitch. Um, and we did it, yeah, all pitches, no, like, no formal submissions, just tell me what you want to do. And we'll figure out how you can do it. And it included illustrations, poetry, short stories, like whatever, whatever you want. That is queer performance horror. We'll figure out how to incorporate it into this anthology. And I did um, three sessions of in-person pitch parties in Little wow. Ghost Books. So we we had them publicly available. And I sat like on the back patios the summer. And people just came and would like sit with me and be like, I, yeah, I've never done this before, but like I'm thinking that I want to illustrate something like this or I'm thinking that I want to do something like that. And I would walk them through it and then I would be like, okay, so distilled down, the elevator pitch for this is this. If you email that to me, I'm nearly going to promise you that like it will be accepted and we will go to editorial and I will work with you for weeks to get you something that you're happy with to put in this anthology. Wow. That's such a unique um, process. And even like as a writer, sometimes I have an idea and then the final product really kind of comes out looking nothing like what I would have pitched. So how do you manage that as the editor? Um, Yeah, it was tough. 
Um, I think that there was just a lot. I knew there was going to be a lot of, um, you know, one-on-one working through it. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, like the, the premise for this, what I wanted for this was to really uplift like first time submitters and authors. Um, So I felt like this was the best way to provide enough support to do that. Um, And also, you know, pay good page rates um which i think we did on both um yeah so yeah it just honestly it was it was so much work um uh, and just yeah so much correspondence and it was like a weird time to format too because i got a lot of um we did get several um short page count comics um which are in there as well and then I just had to format all the pages so that it made sense (laughs) with all the different types of things um but it's been so amazing because it just arrived um last Tuesday um and again people are getting their contributor copies and just like the light on people's faces uh, that it's their first and the book looks so good um yes it looks so good and and they're in there and they're in print and they're alongside you know other people that they really admire and like oh what a good feeling <laughs> yes yeah. do you, you think you'll keep that model moving forward the pitching um process? I think so yeah I know that like I've talked to other people other editors or other press owners and they think I'm batshit insane um <laughs> Because they're like, how do you know the writing is going to be good? How do you know it's going to be, like, how do you know it's going to be anything at all? Uh, and you don't. Yeah. You just don't. And and you're basically, yeah, you're taking a leap of faith with someone who submits with you that, like, hey, like, we promise each other to, like, just work through this together until it's, like, the best example of your work that wow. it can be. It's very um, collaborative. Yeah, and it's been fun. It was actually, it's very fun to, like, have worked on Your Flight Has Been Cancelled, like, at the same time, because, um, like you, um, there was a lot of people who submitted to that who have done it a bunch of times, like, Mm. are, you know, published authors who, you know, they've just been through the ringer before, um, or they have, again, writing groups who they are, you know, working through it with it was very clear it was very clear I didn't need to do very much for that for some of the stories at all because I could tell I wasn't the first pass on this like cool um and so I think the next time it'll it'll be open to everyone so it'll be a mixture and then that's like a little bit easier than like 19 you know stories that need a lot uh totally a a lot of hand-holding but I, I honestly think that, like, for what we are, like, who we are, what we propose to do, um, the pitch model being that accessible is kind of important. Yeah. And you have, <laughs> there's a novella call out with you right now, right? Which is similar. It's like send one chapter. Uh, so it's right now it's like send the pitch in your author bio. Um, okay. And then I'll request quest a, a chapter sample so in my mind it's a little bit more involved because you will have to send a writing sample mm-hmm. um and that's just because like we're we're a small press we're building a slate of like four books a year 
Um, and so it's just kind of like curating what we want that to look like and, and like sort of who we want to work with and what type of thing we want to like, like I'm building the little ghost mixtape basically for the year. Yeah. I'm deciding so what, yeah. I'm deciding what tracks I want on it. So it's not even really like a, like, it's not a quality judgment to me. Um, even though like the worst thing I have to send are rejections. I fucking, it's awful and I hate it. I wish I could just say yes to everyone. Oh, <laughs> yes. Uh, not, if I had infinite fun. money, I would just be publishing everyone's book right now. <laughs> are you hoping to fill out the whole slate from the novella call? And you don't have to answer that if it's private, but I'm just Oh, curious. no, it's okay. Um, So we actually, we have one already that we're working on right now um to to be in that that's it's a secret but it's really fun and I wish I could tell you <laughs> <laughs> well we'll keep our eyes open exciting yes yeah it's coming out in March um so we're working on that already um and then we're looking for two uh novellas for 2024 and hopefully two or three for 2025 um, and then the end of 2024 will be a submission call for our, another anthology of hometown horror. Oh, awesome. Um, so the four this year are the one that's already here, two novellas to be determined, and the anthology that will come. And then the next year we'll do two novellas, another anthology, and hopefully a full-length novel. Though I, you know, I feel like very, that's like kind of like the, oh, we're, we made it. Like, we took someone's, like, baby, you know? Oh, yes. <laughs> like, a novel deal. is, like, yeah, you know? So uh, there are still some fine details that I want to figure out before I take someone's novel. Like, I want to have better, better eyes on distribution for everybody. I want to have, like, cleaner contracts. Um, I want to make sure everyone's happy with the amount of royalties they're getting from the novellas that we're going to publish. Like we'll kind mm -hmm. of like see how that goes. And I just don't want anyone to ever be in a position where they feel like they were not paid properly or well or on time with us. Like that horrifies me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and it happens way too often. Um, For sure. So like, you know, I, again, like little ghosts has a certain, a certain thing trust and promise attached and I always want to honor what we've been doing um so this is like the perfect episode <laughs> to have at the end of this year because you're so like goal oriented and like <laughs> and you have these like, like long-term plans it's like I'm I'm sitting here being like I need to establish some new year's resolutions <laughs> it's like Honestly, very inspiring it brings me a lot of security to be planning in this way, even though my therapist is kind of like, so Chris, we're going to talk about your control issues. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, you're like, wait, I thought that was my superpower. Yeah, I've you're never heard a problem. Yeah, I've never heard it framed that way. Brandy, I don't know <laughs> if I like that. <laughs> Let's walk that back. Actually. Yeah, whoa, whoa, put that whoa, back whoa. in the box. <laughs> um, oh but I, I think it's. It's good and it's like I I try not to promise too much too quickly so like you know my in my heart right like I want to be like you know next year we'll do six but I'm like I know how much work four was like let's say four if we yeah. if we somehow like this year my goal was three and we did four 
you know, if, if something happens and we have more capacity, like that's great, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel like your future is very bright. So I hope that you feel that way too. I, I feel, yeah, I feel more, uh, seen than I have, I think in my whole life, which is very weird. Uh, you know, let's take that back to Brandy. Listen, Brandy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like, we're doing fine. (laughs) It's also the first space that I've ever been in, um, where where yeah like I I came out as trans like during the pandemic so it was like the first time that people like addressed me as I am and like yeah so it's just all those things where it's like I feel very like I feel very I feel like when people approach little ghosts and approach me they really are doing that and when they are receiving me well and saying nice things about me that they're saying them about me and that's Mm. so lovely it sounds very grounding to be able to like enter a new endeavor fully as yourself yeah and to yeah again be received that way and and to have it be so positive like I I did not expect it but I I hope I'm worthy of it every day (laughs) Um, yeah, great. Uh, you can find us at Little Ghost Boo on uh, on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling this thing now. Um, <laughs> uh, we're also on Blue Sky at Little Ghost Books. Um, we're on Instagram at Little Ghost Books. We are on TikTok at Little Ghost Books. And, and like I said, we're we're making all sorts of silly things on there now trying to trying to figure out what that is um up with that yeah it's so hard (laughs) oh my god I know but like you know it's it's nice we're just a bunch of weirdos who are like okay let's make a silly video and like we got we got lots of ghost props we got the 12 foot skeleton there's things to film we're doing okay (laughs) (laughs) um uh, you can find our website at littleghostbooks.com where we have our subscription links we have a full events calendar we have our submission call. Um, we have all of our merch, which also like I draw all of our merch, which has been like a very fun thing. So yeah, that's been fun. Um, obviously we have, so um, the book we have upcoming that will come out in March uh, will be launched at, at Ghoulish Festival. So we will be in Texas in March uh, for Ghoulish, uh, which is really exciting. Um, yes. It'll be my first vending outside of Canada. Um, Well, thank you again so much. This has been the best conversation. Um, And yeah, um, stay tuned. And we will be bringing another bookstore owner on um, to talk about Butcher Cabin books, but also to hear about Jenny Keeper's upcoming novel, This Wretched Valley. So thank you, Chris. It's so exciting. Yeah. The novel's so good. I read it. It's so good. Me too. Wait, <laughs> hey, I let me stop recording and we can go. <laughs> <laughs>
This Wretched Valley is her debut novel. She has also been published in Cosmic Horror Monthly, Pseudopod, and Fantasy and Science Fiction. Welcome, Jenny. Hello. Hi, welcome to Cutthroat Queens. Um, I'm really excited to talk about this Wretched Valley today. Um, we, I mean, you, we were very grateful. You actually lent us the book for my IRL book club. So shout out to book mm-hmm. club for <laughs> picking <laughs> a very cool ghost-ish story for um for our Halloween read. So I'm excited to talk to you. Um, can you kick us off by telling us what this Wretched Valley is about for our listeners? Yeah, it's about um, four grad or four people. Two of them are grad students and two are climbers. And they go into the Kentucky woods and they think they are finding the next hot rock climbing spot. But they are actually being lured by a sentient evil piece of land. Love that. And it's coming out next month, January, right? Yep. January 16th is when it releases. Um, and you are doing a pre-sale, a pre-order thing, right? Um, and how long does that yeah. run for? Um, well, so there's one, there's two different pre-orders. So if you pre-order it through um, the bookstore I own, Butcher, Butcher Cabin Books at horrorbookstore.com, you can receive um, some art made by me. And um, then Quirk, the publisher, is doing their own pre-order, which is, and that that one runs up through like the day before. You just have to send them your receipt and they'll send you a signed book plate, a carabiner and a sticker. Um, and you can order it from anywhere to get that. You just have to submit your um, receipt there. And I know the link is on my Instagram, but I think it's quirk.com slash pre-order this Wretched Valley is the link for that. Um, I think on our bookstore, it says officially like you have to order by December 31st, but we'll probably have some extras. So if you order after that, but I would say probably no more than like a week or two, maybe like the first, if you order through like the first week of January, um, we should be able to get you the art. That's awesome. Yeah. The art is fantastic. All of your marketing has been really cool to like follow on social media and stuff. Um, and one of your, you had prints that say the dog lives, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the prints is um, the dog lives. So that is like a fun, I don't know, I love that you're like playing with that for marketing and that you're kind of <laughs> like owning yeah. the the dog not dying trope. And I wanted to yeah, know like what you it, want to say um, about that. It has kind of become like a marketing tagline. Um, and I think I like put it on all of the book plates that I signed. But um, I think like people... Like I on and I'm the same way. I think readers of horror expect like the people to die, but whenever there's an animal, usually the animal is like seen as I guess more like an innocent bystander. Um, and for whatever reason, I guess, and I said I'm the same way. I feel like I um worry more about the animals or I care <laughs> more about the animal survival almost than the human survival. And um <laughs> yeah. So um I think when uh when I was first writing it or the first draft of it I think it was like a little bit more ambiguous whether the dog lived or not and um, one of my beta readers who I'll shout out here is CB Jones um he said I think the dog should live and I think you should like actually call out that it does and so um so I think I added like it's not even like a, a big reveal it's just like a couple lines at the end that reveal that like the dog is found alive um 
And I think like all animals will, who are named will always live in my books because they are innocent bystanders. And um, but I think like I had a couple it sort of started when there were like some early readers of the book who kept who kept saying like, oh, I was really worried about Slade the whole time. And so I was like, OK, well, maybe we can sort of make this into a marketing thing so people don't have to worry. The dog does live. And it's like. A lot of people would say like, oh, that's such a spoiler, but it like it wasn't. I don't, I don't know. Like there's so much going on in that book that I didn't yeah. find that to be like ruining any sort of plot yeah. line. And like and the, it's a little comforting like when, while you're reading. Yeah. It and too. like the, the dog kind of runs away or it sort of disappears from the story pretty early. Yeah, for sure. And it's almost like a little nice, at least seeing all the marketing, like being like, OK, well, I know he's. I know he's alive, so I don't have to worry. Yeah. yeah, like you said, I don't have to worry. We can take that off the table. We can move on. <laughs> but I love that. Um, and this Wretched Valley, I thought you did a really good job at like juggling not only multiple points of view, which is like mm-hmm. I love when books are formatted that mm-hmm. way, but you also threw in so many different timelines and you mm-hmm. integrated them like in such a seamless way. Um, and I was curious how those factors either fit into your writing process or changed your writing process or I don't know how how you did it all. Yeah. So when I was um, starting the project, it sort of started with like this idea, just sort of started with like, how can I put rock climbing into a story? And then my friend um, and I before uh, COVID and stuff, we and everybody like moved away after. But before that, we would every election day, we would vote. And then we would drive to Red River Gorge and we would go climbing. And um, on one of those drives, he was talking about LIDAR, um, which is used in the book for sort of like as a very like brief moment at the beginning. But he was saying that he wanted to actually use that to find like undeveloped rock spots. And so I asked him, like, can I use that in a book? And he said, sure. So that's how they like sort of find the place. And that sort of spiraled into um, sort of I'm always interested in like places that aren't quite what they seem um so that sort of spiraled into like well what if it scans something that's not actually there which sort of spiraled into this idea of like a cursed area of land um and I guess to me it's always more interesting if that cursed place is sort of just like ancient and has already always been there and it's not like something that um you know somebody specifically put a curse on the land or it like had some inciting incident it's always like scarier and creepier to me if there is no explanation and you can't do anything about it it's just there and always has been so um once I sort of had that idea I thought like well if it is this like ancient cursed or haunted or evil land then that you know this is this it has lured other people there And so that sort of inspired those what I call historical interludes where we sort of jump back and see other times when other unfortunate people have entered the Wretched Valley. Yes. Were they were any of those timelines either inspired by like true people or true events? I mean, obviously, like there's a civil war. But other than that. (laughs) Yeah. um, the, The general in the Civil War was um, like a real general. But I sort of just like took the name. I think so. Like a lot of them are like very loose pieces based on history. So for like the Civil War, um, 
by that when I was researching the Civil War part, I sort of had like I had the location of um, Livingston and like where I thought the piece of land would sort of be. And so I looked up like um, Civil War battles, if there were any like nearby and sort of just like took names um, from that. But there was no like specific like I think in the Civil War one, they're like uh, Confederate are like taking union soldiers to like sacrifice but you know that was there was never like any history that was like yeah and then these people kidnapped these other people um and then the wilderness road one was similar in that um there i sort of based it on this there was like a religious group um from virginia who had been like really persecuted in virginia so they decided they would go into the new frontier of kentucky and um i think the guy's name was reverend lewis which is in the book and um he they did they really did call it the second canaan i don't know if that made it into the book or not but um so that like inspired a lot of like the wilderness road scene and some things that clay sees that's awesome um and i know that you are super into rock climbing yourself it's in your acknowledgments it's in your bio um we've talked about it um how did your passion for that sport inform this besides kind of being like the inciting idea? Yeah. Um, so it was really helpful having that background because I'm writing about people climbing and granted I, so in the book, the climber Dylan is doing what's called trad climbing or traditional climbing. And that's where there's like no gear on the wall. You're putting the gear, all of the safety gear up as you go. Um, which I've never done that before, but I've seen people do it. Um, and I've done lead climbing and sport climbing and that's where you're on rock, but it's like, there's permanent anchors in the wall. So you just have to like clip into those anchors. So you don't have to like put something into the rock and then clip your, um, clip onto that and then clip the rope onto. Um, so I've done like the safer version, but I've still, when I'm outside, I mostly gym climb. And when I'm outside, I definitely feel like that sense of anxiety because even with like the permanent anchors, things can still go wrong. Um, you don't have, you're like in the, you're pretty much in the woods, not super close to civilization. So if like there's an accident, it's going to take more time than if you're like in a gym setting to get to a hospital or get medical attention um sometimes there's like rocks can become loose on the wall like pieces of the wall can become loose and fall down um so it's just inherently more dangerous even if you are climbing like the sport routes um and so for me when I climb outside it's like sort of pushing myself a little bit more and I do feel like more I don't want to say anxiety but I do feel like more of like the fear of of like doing it or I feel like I'm really like pushing myself to try something that sort of scares me. I mean, I still do it, but um, it's it definitely yeah. like when, if I'm in a gym, I feel pretty chill and it's almost like meditative, but if I'm outside, it feels more like pushing myself. Yeah. And there's something too, like I've, um, I've climbed as well. Um, I haven't done it a lot since COVID, but um, mm-hmm. same, like mostly gym climbing. I've been outside a few times and I feel like there's something comforting about the gym. Like even on mm-hmm. a harder route, you're like, mm-hmm. well, another person said this. So I know like it can be done, mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you were trad climbing outside, like you have that anything could happen because like maybe no one's done mm-hmm. it before, which is like Dylan's whole goal. Yeah. But I thought the scene, especially where, um, things initially go wrong was like super realistic and like cringy oh I was like (laughs) 
I mean, hitting your head. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Anyway, really effective. But I thought you did such a good job. Like sometimes when you're super close to a topic and you have to like Mm -hmm. explain it to people who might not be familiar with it, you can like Mm -hmm. kind of go into a lot of um, like exposition and it might not Mm -hmm. come out super engaging, but I thought yours, I thought you handled that really well. Yeah. I really wanted to get that balance right where it was technical enough that it was accurate, but not so technical that people who you know had never climbed would wouldn't understand what was going on um I'm not going to call out the title but I did read and it was an arc I read an arc of a book that had some like technical or had a like mountain climbing in it and it did get really like too technical to the point where like I've done I haven't done mountain climbing but I've done rock climbing um but it got to a point where like I just it got so technical that I couldn't even tell what was happening in the scene and so that sort of like and maybe they changed that between the arc and like the final copy. But um, that sort of helped me with that balance. Um, and I think during the editing process, I did have to push back like slightly and say like, no, I don't really want to add more um, like in or more technical information because I don't want to get too bogged down because ultimately the story does have climbing, but that's only like a piece of the story. It's almost more like the inciting part of it that yeah. gets them there <laughs> you have a lot of like processes to like I don't know even having like the is it called the still with like the moonshine mm-hmm. and then like yeah. <laughs> I mean the body horror alone and like the anatomy that has to go into that <laughs> like um mm-hmm. did you have to do a lot of extra research on stuff like that as well um yeah I did do a lot of research for this book but I I kind of love researching like I read a whole book on the wilderness road even though it was ended up being like a maybe two to four pages in the whole book um but I just I really love researching and um I really love like sort of twisting that um and a lot of times it's like I I feel like I whenever I'm doing research there's always like coincidences that um add another layer of like I guess creepiness or adds to the horror that I never would have known if I hadn't done that research so for example in the wilderness road research um the the main like interlude is set I think it's like 1792 and that was actually the coldest winter of Kentucky on record and it was so cold that like in like actual fact it was so cold that the sap would freeze in the trees at night and they would like crack and it would sound like shotguns um and almost it said in the book said almost all wildlife died um that winter and um there was like a uh I forget the word but it was like some guy from had come from Virginia to like plot out the lands and like you know make I guess a surveyor um, came from Virginia and he got stuck in one of the settlements that winter. And they said when he came back, they did some bloodletting because they were into that at the time. And they said it said his blood was thick like tar. Oh, and that's God. like such a creepy, like horrific detail that I would have never like yes. thought of myself. But so you worked I, it in very well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so cool. I think like writers in general, it's if people knew how like the ratio of research that goes into mm-hmm. like one word or one sentence, like they would be like, why are you doing this? <laughs> but it makes it more fun and more like, I don't know, mm-hmm. you uncover those like nuggets and stuff, which is really fun. Yeah. Um, you also like managed to blend like supernatural horror, psychological horror, 
and body horror really effectively. And did you approach your novel knowing you were going to do that? Um, well, I feel like I put body horror into everything I write. I really feel like that's one of my strengths and um, in future projects, there will still be body horror, but I'm trying to, at least, especially with short stories, trying to push myself to write, you know, a story that doesn't have body horror. Cause I think all of my <laughs> published short stories have body horror. I'm like, okay, maybe I need to push myself <laughs> to try something else. Um, but I think like the, so the body horror, I think is like always going to be there. Cause that's just something I'm good at and I and for whatever even though it sounds maybe gross to people I enjoy writing that no I am um, with you <laughs> um but I think like the I think you're always gonna hit that like sort of psychological horror when you have survival horror because it's always about like the psych like what are these what these people are trapped what do they do about it and do they turn on each other do they go crazy do they what do they do um and then I think just that idea of the supernatural came in once I sort of pieced together that idea of like this ancient um, place and sort of I see it as sort of like the timeline sort of overlapping with each other um, which I think is maybe more evident in some of the scenes um, that the the current characters encounter so they'll encounter like sort of like they'll see like scenes from the past um, yeah, and they I love can Oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm good. I was gonna say I loved um how you used like current technology to like fuck with that too. Like mm -hmm. that um I don't think it's much of a spoiler, but there is like a certain cell phone scene that I just thought was like so creative and like mm -hmm. made it wicked creepy. I don't know. So <laughs> loved that. Yeah. But you I thought as I'm I spend a lot of time outside, I like hiking. Um and you like really made some of that psychological stuff really creepy. Like the thought of hiking mm -hmm. with no no sound at all. Mm -hmm. like, I think people don't realize like how scary that that would be. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, like not not hearing any animals or anything. Yes. Or like wind rustling. Like mm -hmm. pure silence outside is like almost scarier than having noises mm -hmm. around you. Um, and I also I was gonna say, shoot, hang on, it will come back to me. Oh, one thing that I love that you did was you had one of your characters, like maybe that experience is like the most psychological break. Um, mm -hmm. And he experiences like people not believing him. I don't know. What I loved is that like in so much horror, like the woman always gets gaslighted mm -hmm. and like this is happening. No one's believing me. But like you like did a good job at like flipping that in a way. Like, you, mm -hmm. I don't know. The women in your story were like really on point, like really smart like in charge I don't know I so I liked that you flipped that trope whether or not you meant to <laughs> <laughs> yeah I feel like there's a lot of I th and I'm I'm maybe you can um talk about if this ever happens to you because I know you are a writer as well but I feel like a lot of the times I don't write with like a theme or like with those sort of things at the forefront of my mind but I feel like I see them after the fact like I don't think I really saw um, and, and, you know, these things help with like editing and sort of um, pushing the story like where you want it to go. But like the, after the first draft, I didn't even realize that like I sort of had almost like an ecological theme. It's like mm. everybody that the site like draw like the site draws people to it. And it's always people who are like trying to use the land for their own selfish purposes for whatever reason. And yeah. um, so I don't think I like really 
realize that until after even the first or second draft. I was like, okay, well, that's that helps me because now I can sort of have that in the back of my head while I'm revising. Yeah, you can kind of lean into it. I think like beta mm-hmm. readers are really good at that too because they'll mm-hmm. like point out, they're like, oh, I love that you did this. And you're like, didn't mean to, but now I will do it more. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, I totally hear you. Um, I also love, I love a survival story. Like I know that this is compared a lot to like the ruins and the troop, which mm-hmm. I loved both of those. Um, and I love always like kind of picking like, who would I be? Like, who would I act <laughs> the most like? And I think like in your story, there were points where I found myself relating to almost every character mm-hmm. um I was curious if there was any that you particularly identified with yourself um I don't know I think like probably I would just say Dylan because she's the climber um and um but yeah I think like I definitely put for, like different aspects of myself into every character um Notably, and I've said this before in other interviews, but I really use horror to like channel my personal anxiety um, or like intrusive thoughts. So that is um, all throughout the book. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> definitely a good way to work out work out all of our fears <laughs> on the page. <laughs> um, and then you also had a bit of a unique path to getting this published. Like I know that you mm-hmm. went through like a mentorship program and then um, like a pitch process. I was wondering if you could just tell us about that. Yeah, so I um, had a draft of this that I had finished in like middle of 2021. I was querying um, agents and I was getting a lot of good feedback in terms of I was getting a lot of full requests, but they weren't like going anywhere. I wasn't getting any offers. Um, and so there, it, I ended up being part of the last cohort of this, unfortunately, but there was a program, a mentoring program called Pitch Wars where it was also kind of like querying. So they had mentors and you could pick four mentors to submit material. And it was like basically querying them. You submitted um, like a synopsis, uh, the first chapter, and then I think basically a query letter to them. And if they liked it, they would, again, like an agent, they would request more. So I think I had two of the four mentors that I um, selected uh, like asked for the full thing and then I was lucky enough to be picked by Cynthia Paleo um, so she was my mentor and so from like November through January um, 2021 to 2022 we worked together to edit it and one of the major there was like two major things we did and one was um, we sort of we worked to restructure the book so originally it was more like the ruins where there was just like little um, scene breaks so like each chapter was had like all four points of view and there would just be like a line break in between and so it was like each chapter was sort of like you know little sections and so we changed it so that each chapter is in one single character's point of view um and then the other big change was we really worked to um build up the emotional aspect of like the characters and what they're feeling which i think is definitely one of my weaknesses i think partly <laughs> that is because i was um i have a degree in creative writing and i feel like during that program it was just really hammered into my head the show don't tell mm, and so okay. i think like with and the way that i was taught in that program was like instead of saying you know be like instead of saying a character is angry like show them balling their fists up but i think sometimes like because people show 
emotions differently. Um, sometimes it doesn't always read the way that like, like mm-hmm. I would think this, I would describe a character doing something and I would say, you know, think, oh, obviously that shows they're angry, but then another person who might not express anger that way would not, it wouldn't come across that way. So um, we were working to sort of balance that and um, build up the emotional aspect of the characters. Um, and so we, I worked with her really closely. And then um, at the end of Pitch Wars, there was an agent showcase where basically you post like, it was like the title, the, there was like some metadata stuff. And then you posted like a small excerpt. And I think the excerpt could be from anywhere in the book, but we just chose like the opening 250 words. Um, and honestly, I think the first chapter is one of the strongest parts of the book. It's such um, a good, such a compelling <laughs> start. I was like, um, yes, I'm instantly hooked. <laughs> um, and so we, it got a lot of, uh, again, it was like, again, it got a lot of requests um, and it was like a little disheartening and crazy. Cause like, it seemed like the first, like, almost like the first 48 hours I got like 20 I got like something like 30 requests for it but in the first like 48 hours I got like 15 rejections for it as well (laughs) (laughs) so it was like you know you're on top you're like oh my gosh I got so many requests and stuff and like pitch wars I think what part of the program was part of what was hard about the program was that this the showcase was like public so you could go and compare yourself to other people's like request rates and stuff and um so it was like exciting but for and this is definitely like a personal problem for me um that I still struggle with but it's like sometimes I have trouble comparing myself with and I think a lot of writers are like this but I have a problem comparing myself and um having like weird negative feelings if like someone else is succeeding um and I think I've definitely improved on that but I'm still working through that in my own um yeah whatever uh still working on that but definitely at the time of pitch wars it was like really bad and I think I sort of like ended up sort of stepping back and like not you know like stepping back from the the cohorts like discord and stuff like that um for my own mental health but eventually um I did get one offer from my current agent um and I love my agent I think it was it's a really good fit um he's amazing um and I yeah so I ended up getting an offer from him and um, then he signed and then he and I think what's so crazy about publishing is just like I signed with him he put it on submission immediately like I think I signed I signed the contract with him on Friday. He put it on submission on Monday. And then two weeks later, he had sold the book. Wow. You are incredibly (laughs) fortunate. (laughs) Yeah. With two offers. And so it's just like so crazy to think about like how many rejections I got for it. And then for the book to be sold in like two weeks is crazy. Yeah. And thank you for sharing the like. (laughs) compare and despair stuff I think a lot of people feel that but are probably like hesitant to express it so I don't know hopefully other people can yeah. like will be inspired that it, they're, <laughs> they're not alone and that you know it's okay yeah, to like it's... prioritize your mental health and stuff yeah I, I definitely think it's it's fine to know to I think it's actually like a healthy thing to sort of realize that and you know to sort of 
think, you know, internalize it and say like, okay, this is a problem like that I currently have. It's not a problem with anybody else. It's like my own thought process and brain um, that I want to work on because I do, I want to celebrate other writers and successes and other people. Um, but at the time I was just like, it made me feel so bad about myself and I Aww. didn't like that. And I knew that it was like something to do with me and my thought processes. So I sort of just like stepped back um, and I still don't really like scroll social media um, at all. And uh, so I sort of like stepped back and um, it took some time just to like not see it, but then like sort of work through it um, with like my therapist and stuff. And so um, still, still sort of working on it, but it's definitely gotten a lot better. And I think like, I think it is healthy to just say like, I'm not in the mindset to to look at this or interact with this so I'm gonna step back until I'm in a better place yeah definitely and um it's like amazing to me I mean not amazing but it's funny that you say like you're like I don't spend a lot of time scrolling because your <laughs> use of social media is so creative and <laughs> um hopefully effective like I love your TikToks and stuff like what inspires you like how do you get all these cool marketing ideas um well this one for this book I've really been and there's like more stuff that's going to become out coming out like in the next few weeks and after a little bit after the book has been released um I've de- filmed some stuff with a friend who's an actress and um some people I know have helped me with like some voice acting um and I think Quirk Quirk is editing those for like social videos um and but I think they probably won't Come, I think the first one they wanted to come out like sometime before publication. Um, but I think like everybody there, like any anywhere is like off this week until the new year. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. So, but like I kind of was thinking about, um, so like the book was inspired or the story was also partly inspired by the Jatloff Pass incident, but it was like an unsolved mystery and sort of thinking on that line. Um, I was, I don't remember, I was probably like, a preteen when Blair Witch Project um, came out. And I just remember at that time, like nobody knew that it was fake. Like it was marketed. So fun. (laughs) It was like really marketed in a way that was like felt very like real and like this was real footage. And so I was kind of thinking like how, and I think like um, at some point someone described or like compared my book to Blair Witch. Like I think at some early stage, someone said like it could be like marketed as Blair Witch for the TikTok generation or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I could totally um, do that. Yes. So, so I think I was thinking along those lines of like, what are some like sort of and like true crime and like unsolved mysteries and sort of thinking about like what are some things that those genre that like that genre of like content does. Um, and I, I think I've gotten a little behind on some ideas that I've had recently just because it's like so close to publication date that I'm like, oh, I have all of these things that like I need to do by publication date. Um, but hopefully I can still do I'll still be able to do some stuff like after it's published. I think especially now, I think people are in a mindset where it's almost like better to do it much closer to publication date, because I think a lot of times people will be like they don't pre-order things very Mm -hmm. much it seems like anymore it's it's almost like if I can't like buy it right now then I will like be like oh I'll do it later and then forget about it so if people people should um definitely call 502-755-6381 
Ooh, a mystery. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call it after. number. <laughs> all right. I'm excited. I love that. Um, you all, yeah. And like, you have this cool aspect where Dylan's also an influencer too. So like you have mm-hmm. so much, you have so much to play with. That's like modern social media kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. that's really yeah. Cool. Yeah. I think uh, I had a lot of fun building the characters and, um, sort of like, adding in those things and um, one of my favorite films is oculus and that was sort of like partially i think where the idea of like the the technology sort of like fucking up and doing weird things because that film does that like really really well yes yeah it's a good inspo um are you right do you want to switch gears and talk about your bookstore next sure all right cool is there anything else you want to say about this retro valley before we swap It releases January 16th. If you are anywhere near Louisville, Kentucky, you can come to the launch party, which is January 20th at 6 p.m. And it's at Arai Brewing, which is on Barrett Avenue, A-W-R-Y. And we'll have a live podcast recording with my friends who do Graveyard Coffee Talk. We'll have um, a book signing. We'll have um, other surprises. I need to check back in with them, but I think Arai said they are going to make a custom beer for the event. Oh, that's um, in awesome. the book. So, so yeah, and you can um I think we have a, we have an event page on Facebook that you can follow to see like any updates of new things that we'll be adding. Um, but yeah, that'll be fun. And I will be doing a small like Midwest book tour. So you can um follow me on socials to see more information about that when that gets announced. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, good luck. Your release party sounds very fun. Mm-hmm. I wish that I was able to attend, but I will be sending my celebrations <laughs> virtually. Um, uh, we might we might be I, I want to try to figure out how to do like a live stream of oh, some cool. of it, but um, I've never done live stream, so I don't know how to do that. <laughs> um, OK, but speaking of being near Louisville, your bookstore is in Louisville. And yes. I want to talk about Butcher Cabin Books a little bit. So can you tell mm-hmm. us about your bookstore like what is its purpose what's your mission with it all that yeah so um I own a bookstore called butcher cabin books it is um very tiny it's like 400 square feet right now and it's an all horror bookstore we have um we have books for all ages so we have like children's like board books that are Halloween or spooky themed we have middle grade books we have YA um we also have some like non-fiction books so those would be things like radium girls or the invention of murder um or like all the star what is it the indifferent stars above the uh, Donner party non-fiction book um so we have stuff like that and then we have a thriller section we also have um like a small right now it's pretty small fantasy and sci-fi as well as um a small classic section um, but other than that, it's all horror and we have a mix of new and used. Um, we have a really big um, what we call paperbacks from hell section, um, sort of inspired by the Grady Hendrix nonfiction book. Um, and it's all um, out of print or old printings of um, horror books. And some some of them are like fantasy sci fi. But um, so, yeah, it's like all out of print books that um, are difficult to find elsewhere and um, we started it um, 
because well, I started with my mom, who's also like a big reader. And um, we both and she was the one who, you know, got me into Halloween. We both love spooky and creepy things. Um, so we sort of started it um, because I when we when we were first starting the idea, I was like um, really starting to seriously get into writing horror and writing in general like I've been writing my whole life but it was around the time that I felt like I really started to get serious about it Mm -hmm. um and um wanting to do like an actual career (laughs) out of it and so I was like meeting all of these um or like following all of these uh really cool people online who are doing like they're all like most of them were like small presses this was like I think probably right at the start of when like the big fours like it was before Nightfire tour had really started um and it was um it was right I think it was like at the start of when the big publishers were really starting to like increase their horror publications Mm -hmm. um and so I was like seeing a lot all these like really cool things from independent presses and but like it was pretty impossible to get them in stores like if I went to um even like a locally owned bookstore that was just a general bookstore they wouldn't really have them like I could probably order them online or through them but it was really like you you really did have to pretty much order these things online Mm -hmm. and um so we decided to start a horror bookstore so that we could we do still have like the big four you know published books but we really wanted to have a space where we could um have shelf space for those smaller presses because there's just nothing like going into a bookstore and just like browsing and finding titles that you have never heard of and you can like physically look at the back it's easier to discover something than like online yeah Um, like because if you have to order something you have to know exactly what you're looking for versus like right you have to yeah and we also you know um we offer like mystery boxes um where we like we can pick out something for you and you know we're always there to like give you a recommendation if you um you're like I really like I don't know like clown books we can (laughs) can point you in the direction of creepy clown books that's awesome um what did it take to get it done like what kind of like how long did you work on this project like what kind of resources did you need um so I we, we are very fortunate in terms of like the startup because the my parents own the building. So like half of the business team is an owner of the building, which is unusual. Um, I think very few people would be able to be in that situation. Um, so I, I'm happy to talk. Like we get emails occasionally from people who say like I want to start this like a horror bookstore in my town can you like help me like what did you do to get started and I'm always honest with them I'm always like I'm very happy to talk to you but um also we were in a very unusual situation that saved us a lot of money because my parents parents owned the building um my dad's business curry sound still works there but he did he and he had been in that building for that building had been curry sound since like the late 60s or early 70s um and it got to but like probably in the past like 20 or maybe even 30 years um there haven't been any like walk-in customers it's just been like a place to store equipment and to do bookkeeping which like Mm -hmm. worked fine but um when my parents took ownership of the building from my grandfather they had talked about 
getting a tenant in there so they can, you know, the space can be utilized more and, you know, get a little bit of of extra money from a tenant. Um, And so um, my mom and I decided to try opening a bookstore in the front and we um, are very handy people. We were able to do all the renovations ourselves. Um, And just because of like the theme of the store, there were things like if like if a different business had come in, they probably would have ripped down all of the wood paneling that is in there and put up like drywall. But we kept the wood paneling because it looks like an old cabin. Yeah, that's Um, awesome. So that saved us a lot of time and money. We didn't have to buy paint and drywall. Um, We did um, install new flooring. And there was like, I think the only other thing we really did to the space was there was like an office um, that like, and we like tore down those walls. But, um, but I think like, some other people or like, uh, if, if, if we hadn't been like, so handy and able to do those renovations that obviously would have cost a lot more money to get a contractor to come in. Um, So we were able to save a lot of money in terms of like my, you know, family owning the bit or part of the business team owning the the building and um, being able to do those renovations ourselves. Um, And just the fact that they own the building meant that we could like take our time doing that because like both um both my mom and I like have day jobs and um I also have my you know writing um so we were able to sort of slowly and I think we were like working on it for over a year before we opened um and there was like a few gaps and at first we were thinking we just wanted to be used only um but then we like sort of changed uh we've sort of pivoted because I was like well there's I think like horror at the time when we were starting, like I said, it was like horror was sort of just starting to become more popular. Uh-huh. Um, and um, so we sort of pivoted because I was like, well, there's a lot of new releases that we're going to be going to, it's going to be very hard to source used. Yeah. Um, so we, we are a mix of new and used. Love it. Um, you mentioned the mystery boxes. I was wondering what mm-hmm. other sorts of like, activities or like products are unique to butcher cabin um well we are always trying to think of new things to do so we have um what we call adopt a ghost so you can we like hand make these little ghosts um that you can um adopt for a small fee and you what else do we have this year we did um 13 days of krampus boxes that we oh cool put put together ourselves and there were some things in there that we made um like obviously people listening won't be able to see but and we're gonna try to put these in the store just to buy but we made these like faux leather like blood oh that's marks awesome. that kind of look <laughs> like the the blood bookmark in our um book nice. like our logo yeah yeah um so I need to make more of these, but to just sell, but, um, we had stuff like that and it was all like bookish, I guess I can spoil it now. Cause it's surely, I think everybody who bought one has, has opened it, but it was like, it was stuff like, um, this bookmark, um, we had like a Halloween mug in there. We had, um, things like enamel pins and like a book plates that you could like put in your book and say this book belongs to. Oh, cute. And then we, 
Um, we also put in like one of the paperbacks from hell was the last day. So you would get like all of these things that would help you either like help you read or be like related to reading. Like, um, like I think we gave them like a, a little thing of coffee and hot chocolate. So you could oh, like cute. use your mug to make a warm beverage while you read and stuff like that. Um, and there's one thing that I think we need to like change the signage on it because we just put it out. Um, it's like a book recommendation. Um, machine dispenser and it's Ooh. free you can um just like turn it we just want the capsule back but i think people think you have to like pay for it so it's like hardly anybody uses it oh no <laughs> so if you if you come in the store and you see the book recommendation dispenser it is free you can that's get awesome. a book recommendation <laughs> does it look like like a gumball machine or something like that oh that's so cool that's yeah, a really like, fun it looks idea. like a gumball machine it has like little plastic capsules and inside the capsule will be a book recommendation and a surprise that you can keep. <gasps> we we just want the capsule back because they're you have to order them and they're annoying That's to fair. order. <laughs> <laughs> and what are they going to do with the capsule anyway? I'm dying to right? come to your store. I need to make a plan to come visit Louisville. <laughs> what is your, you know, we can start wrapping up a little bit, but what mm-hmm. is your absolute favorite part about running your bookstore? Um, I think it really has been just becoming, um, I guess, part of the community and hosting events. And I think there's like a lot of little things that um, all come together because it's, um, I mean, it's just really fun to like have authors visit. And um, we, we've we had some author, we've been like the first event for at least like one author. It was like their very first event. And luckily it was one of the ones where like people actually showed up for it. Yeah, it must um, be tough. Yeah. yeah, we we've had some events where, you know, very few or like nobody showed up. And I think that just happens. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you schedule it and then it happens to be on a weekend that like there's a big other event, like a baseball, a basketball game or some other like event that everybody's going to. Um, yeah. And then sometimes we have events where we're like, we need to expand. <laughs> because there are too many people in here <laughs> um so so it's like it can go back and forth but I love doing the events especially with like authors who are maybe not as like super well known and just seeing like their excitement of I have an event at a bookstore um and then just like when people come in to actually see them so that's that's fun um and I also like recommending being able to like be there to recommend books to people nice and one thing, like as a person who published a book, I'm very grateful mm-hmm. that you stocked it. So thank you. I mm-hmm. said the same thing to Chris about um, little ghost books too, but you just, bookstores like you are definitely making a difference. So really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any unexpected obstacles that you encounter running your bookstore? Um, like I said, I think we're, we're at the point now where it feels like we're a little cramped for space. Um, we recently had to like switch out the bookshelves we were using for the middle grade um, section because they were like too cramped and we like added another like small shelf to expand but we're really kind of like reaching the limit in the current space we have and we do have there's like more space behind so our store is like it's in a like a long building and we're kind of like in the front like square 400 square feet area and there Uh is room to expand in the back but um it's just like there's still like curry sounds back there so there's just like a lot of 
curry sounds stuff that just needs to either be donated or thrown out or reorganized and it's just like finding time to do that with like the million other things that I need to do that we need to do both of us for like our jobs and just releasing a book and everything so um (laughs) so I think like some obstacles are just like because this is not and we we actually don't um take any income from the store right now it all goes like all the profit goes back into the store um so right now it is kind of like a passion project and just like something that we really love doing um and so I think but I think one of the obstacles is like finding time to do those sorts of things that like we that I guess there's a lot of like things that would be on our to-do list. It's like we want to expand, we want to do this, but they aren't like pressing. So they kind right. of get like pushed to the bottom of our um, list of things to do. Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, needing more space is probably the mm-hmm. best kind of problem to have. So yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah. So I think our goal is like this year to... I think two goals this year are we want to hire an employee, a part-time employee, and we want to expand into the back um, area. But I'm also kind of like, I feel like we we need like a little bit more space. But right now I'm like, I don't really know like what are we going to fill that whole back area with? <laughs> yeah, it's like there's a there's definitely a tricky balance there. <laughs> yeah. <sure. laughs> well, Thank you so much. And where can we follow Butcher Cabin Books like online? What's the best way? Um, so Butcher Cabin Books, we are on Instagram and TikTok. We are at Horror Bookstore. On Twitter, we are at under no, we're at horror books underscore KY. Um, if you just like go on those platforms and search Butcher Cabin Books, you'll pull us up and our website, cool. or you can go to our website, which is horrorbookstore.com, and it'll link to all of those things as well. Um, we're also on Facebook, but I don't know what the URL is for that. Um, and then for me personally, I'm at underscore Jenny Kiefer on pretty much every platform except for Blue Sky, where I just don't have the underscore. But um, like TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter, I'm underscore Jenny Kiefer. Well, thank you for joining us. Is there anything else you want to share before we play out? <clears throat> um, I guess you can also I'll say my website. My website oh, is yes. JennyKiefer.com. All right. And that's K-I-E-F-E-R. K-I-E-F-E-R. And I've been pleasantly surprised. I feel like for whatever reason, if I like go to a restaurant or just like around, people will say Kiefer. But I've been pleasantly surprised that most people who have never heard of me that get an ARC who like post online say my say my name correctly. So kudos to you, (laughs) ARC readers. (laughs) Everyone is getting it right. I love it. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for joining us today. I'm really excited to be able to wrap up the year talking to you and I'm wishing this wretched Valley all the success because it was such a fun read and it deserves it. (laughs) Yeah. All right. And this is Cutthroat Queens and you are welcome. Waking up in a bath of ice. I'm a victim of an organized you. You know it is true. You know this time you're never gonna get it. 